This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here with the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain. Dot TV slash gold, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you very much for the people that went and left a five-star review and comments over at Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that. Please do that. Just look up the show, the Dustin Gold Standard. And please feel free to join us at pain.tv slash gold, where you get an ad-free video version of both the Dustin Gold Standard and the Thomas Paine podcast who is the mothership of this operation ladies and gentlemen yesterday we covered the internet of things and the internet of bodies as i begin to introduce you to the metaverse and the way that i'm trying to sort of shape this narrative and explain this technology to you for those of you that um, may not understand or have had time haven't had the time to study this uh, over the years in my opinion you know based on the research that i have done and i've been sharing with you i believe there are two things that the elites the technocrats these uh social engineers the bankers all of these guys we've been looking at are trying to accomplish okay one is you have to look at the world that we're living in today as sort of the natural world. And then you have what is going to be this cyber world, this complete digital world, which is the metaverse. And then you sort of have this in-between world that's going on. And when Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari talk about the sort of merger of the biological uh, physical and digital worlds this is what they're referring to so in the natural world these guys are basically trying to turn everything into almost a real life video game uh, but it's a prison planet and so they're doing that with the technology with the internet of things the internet of bodies as you'll see shortly the internet of senses and so that's locking us down sort of in this prison planet where everything is monitored everything is scanned everything is tracked everything is run from algorithms uh from the uh traffic lights the traffic flow to your 
home temperature to how many times you can flush the toilet to your smart devices to when you clock in and clock out of work to how many steps you're taking all this stuff they want to manage and control and then what you have on the other end is the metaverse which is a complete and total cyber digital world a second life video game in which you will live inside of it through your digital clone basically your mind twin of which we reviewed on this show and so that's going to be the metaverse it's a complete and total immersive 3d world video game that you access via a virtual reality headset an augmented reality headset or uh you know a Neuralink brain chip type of device and so, and, and we'll get into, uh, in other shows, I'll review some technology on virtual reality headsets versus augmented reality headsets and the difference between the two of those. But you will access that metaverse, your second life, your digital life, by entering through uh, a headset or a Neuralink brain chip. And their ultimate goal is that you will feel all five senses as you enter this immersive fake you know basically video game world and you will be able to smell and you will be able to taste and you will be able to hear and you will be able to see and you will be able to feel because either one you're going to be wearing basically a sensor suit uh when you enter the metaverse that allows you to have all these feelings but in the big dream sense in their their big giant dream they have is that when they put a Neuralink brain chip inside your head with the thousand uh, wires going down into your brain with a thousand electrodes on each one, that can actually trigger senses and smells and everything else. So it'll all be taking place sort of in your brain versus your body actually interacting with these things as we know it in the natural world. And then sort of the hybrid between them hijacking the natural world and just controlling it with technology like a giant prison planet and the full-blown cyber digital metaverse is this merger of man and machine and the beginning of them genetically modifying humans turning them into some other kind of form uh, moving you away from your dna that you inherited from your parents putting implantable devices like the brain chip inside of your body and so they want to actually digitally control your body through what we kind of reviewed last night the internet of bodies and so the steps they've taken is they've been building the internet of things for 20 years they've been moving into the internet of bodies over the last five years they're introducing the concept of the internet of senses now they're rolling out the metaverse on a larger scale now and then the whole idea of this transhumanism this singularity the merger of man and machine is basically all going to come together and so that's i mean honestly what they're working on it's like the movie the matrix that's how i explain it it's the easiest way to explain it um i believe that was I don't even know if that was predictive programming or that was somehow a slap in our face, a way to laugh at us. I'm not sure. But I know that that is what they're trying to do based on 
their technology, their speeches, their white papers, you know, their investors, the players, the scientists, the engineers, uh, their think tanks, and everything we're reviewing here. And there's so much more to look at. So we're going to get into Internet of Senses. I'm going to show you a little bit about smart cities, and then I'll show you an announcement by one of the major uh, big major media companies on them building out a metaverse and then we'll probably start to get into this world economic forum metaverse panel discussion that went on but first let me give a shout out to one of our loyal listeners uh op tweeter op underscore t-w-e-e-t-e-r on twitter always sends me interesting stuff the last few shows have been so jam-packed i haven't been able to share it and i share stuff if, if you guys send me something interesting that fits in with what we're talking about so as you know i've covered frictionless shopping and the world of instacart because of my personal experiences um with uh, having to work inside of the gig world for a couple of years uh, during my divorce. But uh, you can listen to that on other shows. So anyway, uh, OpTweeter sends me this at uh, buffalonews.com. And so there happens to be a Wegmans grocery store. It's a fantastic grocery store, but it's about 15 minutes from me. And it was a great hub to do Instacart out of. That's the grocery uh, store, uh, grocery shopping app. Uh, and you could make really good money because the customers were a little bit higher end. But let me just tell you that the title of the article is Shoplifting Losses Force Wegmans to Shut Down Self-Scanning App. And this is hilarious because I don't know if I mentioned it here because I believe I got the intel uh, prior to me launching the Dustin Gold Standard. I believe I gave it to Maria Albanese and she may have talked about it on the Thomas Paine podcast when she co-hosts on Fridays. But I had gotten this intelligence from a couple of the managers that I had befriended at Wegmans and I would get information about supply chains and you know food supply and everything from them. And so they had told me a couple of months ago that this app they had launched, which was uh, running on Instacart technology, and what they were doing, uh, it was a little different than the frictionless shopping, but basically a customer would go in the store and they'd open up their app, okay? And then they would walk around the store with paper bags set up in their cart, and they would scan the items that they were selecting, and they would weigh them um, like on the scales in the produce section, and it would print out a label for them, and they'd scan that label. And so they do all this while they're walking around off their phone. And then they load up the paper bags, and then they would go to self-checkout, and they would just scan a QR code, which you probably are all familiar with now, but I'll get into a show on that, actually, because I had some experience in QR codes many years ago. But they uh, scan the QR code, and it just charges their credit card that they have on file. Well, the managers had told me what was happening was all these old timers, and they said it was all the old guys, all the senior citizens were going in the store, and they were just basically loading up their bags with tons of stuff, 
and only scanning a few items. And then when they went to the self-checkout, they'd scan their QR code and be charged for like 20 bucks, but they were taking like $200 worth of groceries. I started laughing when they told me this story. And at that time, I was in Wegmans all the time because I was essentially working out of there as an independent contractor. And so... I was laughing so hard and they said what why are you laughing I said this is hilarious I said you launch a stupid app and try to force your customers they had banners and signs everywhere they actually forced the employees uh, the self-checkout like attendee cashiers and then the real cashiers to end to train to push and train any customer that came through onto it and try to force them to do it and I said shame on you you try to force customers into using a stupid app to walk around the store and scan all their stuff and now they're stealing from you you deserve it i'm not kidding folks i mean this this is for real i told them that and they and and and, um they couldn't believe it and i said i think you deserve it i think you deserve it because you're forcing regular people to have to walk around and scan all their own items and now these old timers uh some of which um you know, had parents that lived through the Great Depression and such are now ripping you off. I think it's great. I think you deserve it. And so a lot of this actually happened because Wegmans was going through a transition in which the two daughters and son of the original owner or the owner's son, Danny Wegman was his name, old guy now, who ran the company and built it up from one store in upstate New York to... uh I think they have 112 or 113 stores now. But their model is similar to like a Walmart or a Costco. They have one of these mega grocery stores every like 30-minute radius. And so the kids took over, and they've been introducing a lot of wokeness to the store. They've been treating veteran employees, not military veterans, but employees who have been working there a long time like crap, not um, you know cutting their hours and treating them like trash. So I thought it was really funny, and I said, you know, when I was a kid, uh, my great-grandfather, uh, Will Corolla, I actually called him the last free man on earth because he did not have a social security number and he never paid uh, taxes to the IRS. He grew up, uh, came up through the Great Depression. He managed to speak easy. And when I was a kid, he died when I was about 10, but he was this old kind of grumpy Italian guy. He smoked cigarettes, drank his beer. He was a landscaper for wealthy people. And then uh, when I knew him, when I was a kid, he was like a junker. So he would go around and he'd smash up metal and he'd collect it. And he had a house with um, like a couple bedroom house that sat on top of a three car garage. And he had barrels everywhere and he would load up his barrels with metal And it stunk like grease down there, grease and beer and urine, because he used to urinate in his metal buckets before he brought them down to the scrapyard to weigh them down. (laughs) And so when I was a kid, my great-grandfather used to go into these grocery stores that the old-timers thought were ripping them off and treating them like garbage, and he would steal steaks. And this guy had some decent money saved up. And so I told the managers this story, and I said, well, I guess the ghost of my great-grandfather returned. 
returns. So, folks, it's up on the screen here. Shoplifting losses force Wegmans to shut down self-scanning app. And it just says, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Wegmans will discontinue its scan app, which allows shoppers to scan and bag purchases as they move through the store because too many people have been using it to shoplift. The company said it's aware the app is popular, but it is losing too much money to keep it going. Quote, scan users have told us they love the app and the convenience it offers. We love it too and have tried many adjustments to keep it. Unfortunately, the losses we are experiencing from this program prevent us from continuing to make it available in its current state. End quote. The company said in an email to scan customers. Shoplifting or shrinkage, as it's called in the retail industry, is a known hazard at self-checkout, especially with handheld devices. But retailers generally accept a certain threshold of loss, which is offset by customer satisfaction and lower labor costs. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? You know what? I am happy about it. You want to talk about living one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix. We want to sit here and talk about how to push back against the technocrats, push back against these prison planet social engineer wardens. Well, this is how you do it. So God bless the old folks out there. God bless these old timers. You know what, guys? You push back against the system, and the system now has to come up with another solution. I love you all. Thank you for doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see the scan app out there, I'm not telling you to break the law, but I am saying this may be a possible life hack as inflation continues to raise the price of food. If these companies want to partner with the technocrats, partner with Instacart, who is backed by investors tied to InQtel, which is the CIA, just push back and have at it, folks, because it's a fire sale in this country right now but push back against their technology again old timers god bless you and thank you thank you for sticking it to the man ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. And you're listening to Pain.tv slash gold. Once again, folks, hat tip to up underscore tweeter on Twitter and hat tip to the old timers out there. Who are sticking it to the technocrats. I love it, folks. I love it. All right, let's jump right in to the Internet of Senses. And I'm not going to do a lot on this topic because this is something new that the technocrats are starting to introduce to the public. But I think just... You know, if we brush over this, you're going to learn a little bit about it. We don't have to go deep into the technology because I think it's a little more important for us to get to. Um, I want to touch on smart cities and then get into the metaverse for you. But this is sort of the third part of the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, and now we have the Internet of Senses. So I have right here ericsson.com it's e-r-i-c-s-s-o-n.com 
10 hot consumer trends 2030 the internet of senses folks 10 hot consumer trends 2030 it says right here you may already know about the internet of things uh, augmented reality virtual reality and haptics but what's next to shed some light we've compiled a list of 10 hot consumer trends worth keeping an eye on and lending an ear to although beyond seeing and hearing it seems the internet of senses may be made to find the next chapter in 5g enabled online experiences okay Let's take a look. Welcome to the Internet of Senses. And so they have a chart up here for the audio-only folks. It says uh, mind, smell, sight, taste, touch, sound. Okay? You are sitting in your kitchen as you think about having an Arabian Nights dinner party. The room starts to change. Arabic music plays softly. The plain kitchen tiles take on a uh, bright patterns and the smell of fragrant lamb stew hits your nostrils. You turn your gaze to the table, which is now covered with a rustic woven cotton cloth, flowers, lit candles, and exotically decorated plates, which you touch and rearrange. Avatars of your friends appear in the chairs. That's like mine twins. Artificial Intelligence Foundation with Lars Butler, backed by Peter Thiel, CIA partner, okay? Avatars of your friends appear in the chairs with calendar access, so you simply think, quote, create invitation, end quote. While the calendars are populated, your table fills up with ingredients from a digital store, letting you check their freshness and taste uh, and taste test a new yogurt sauce. Since two guests are vegetarian, you also taste a plant-based stew before placing your order. Folks, thank goodness, because I was going to say that this metaverse, this new uh, immersive internet, immersive Web3, was not very inclusive if they were not going to offer the plant-based stew option inside of the cyber digital second life. All right, let's look. 5G materializing dreams with the Internet of Senses. Hold on one second, folks. I'm just taking a quick note here. Okay, 5G materializing dreams with the Internet of Senses. Today, technology interacts primarily with two senses, sight and sound. At Ericsson Research, our vision is that advanced technology will enable a full Internet of Senses by 2025 and include the ability to digitally communicate thoughts by 2030. Digitally communicate thoughts. Very similar to what Elon Musk has talked about. We've, we've shown you that. We live in a screen-based 4G world where smartphones are integral to our lives but people aren't expecting this to be the case for much longer half the world's smartphone users predict that by 2025 we will all be wearing lightweight fashionable augmented reality glasses consumers also predict wearables that can instantly translate languages allow us to control our sound environment and experience smell, taste, textures, and temperature digitally. 
As consumers step further into this sensory digital world, they will require hyper-fast connectivity uh, and perceptible edge computating-based lag and advanced automation. Okay. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have been to, say, Universal Studios in the last, you know, 10 years. I took uh, my ex-stepkid, and they had, uh, they call them sort of these 4D rides, and you sit inside of... Uh, like a cart, and it's kind of like a roller coaster indoors that goes around to these big (laughs) kind of 3D screens. But then also they spray water at you and you feel heat and everything else. So it's like four-dimensional. And they'll have a robot that looks like it jumps down on the hood of the car and it's shaking the car and stuff like that. So basically they want to bring this into into your living room. Okay, it says consumers expect an internet of senses. This vision is not only based on expected technological advances, but also on consumer research. Urban early adapters expect that we will be using all of our senses online by 2030. Of those, 68% want to use at least one of six conceptual internet of senses applications we have asked about and 81 percent are open to the idea overall of those who want an internet of senses 40 percent see immersive entertainment as a main driver for this change 33 percent think better online shopping will be key and 31 percent think this change will come about due to the climate crisis The big five tech companies, along with industry-specific companies, are expected to dominate and run roughly half of all Internet of Senses services by 2030. Now, you would say to yourself, this Ericsson uh, research could just be making this up. I doubt it. I mean, talk to some younger people who are constantly glued to their phone or to their video games. And these kind of, I intentionally have conversations with friends of ours, uh, children, uh, and friends of my ex uh, stepchildren who were addicted to devices and video games, and they actually want this. You can go on YouTube videos uh, on this type of technology and just read the thousands of comments. I told you that there's people literally begging to have the brain chip put inside of their head so that they can be smarter and access the internet faster and play video games inside their head. They think it's fantastic. So it says, trend one, your brain is the user interface. Many predict that the lines between thinking and doing will blur. More than 2,000 years ago, Greek philosophers thought that each human was alone and could never truly know the existence of another. This isolation is simply part of human condition, but maybe not for much longer. By 2030, technology is set to respond to our thoughts and even share them with others. Think what that will mean. Think, and that will mean. Yes, think what that will mean. Semicolon, think, and that will mean. Okay, so as you see, this fits in line exactly with the type of technology we saw uh, Elon Musk talking about 
um, on Joe Rogan experience with the ability to communicate with other people without ever having to actually speak. And we saw Dennis Bushnell, the chief scientist of NASA for the last 40 years in his 2018 speech, basically gloat over the fact that children age three to seven are on the playground using their smartphones to text each other to communicate instead of actually walking up to each other and having a conversation. He called it the human evolution of humans and said, well, you're just going to have to deal with it. He thought it was fantastic. So I'm not going to read everything in this article. And so if you want to find this article, again, it's uh, Erickson with two S's.com. And just look up Erickson Internet of Senses and you'll be able to find it. But the, this article is very, very long and I'd have to spend probably two shows um, going over the whole article and I don't think the majority of you would actually want me to do that. So it says, trend one, your brain is the user interface. Okay, now trend two sounds like me. How we listen to, speak to, and understand each other is due a big digital upgrade. Okay, they're saying how we speak needs a digital upgrade. Sounds are all around us, from soothing melodies we choose to play through our earphones to nuisance noises like the jangle of the subway train. By 2030, consumers expect to be fully in control of not only what they hear, but also of what others hear from them. Consumers will more actively shape their sound world and no longer be content with exposure to unwanted ambient sounds. Now, as it says there, which is kind of creepy, that the consumer, which, okay, say the consumer did do a study and said they want this. It also means this is what the technocrats are building. So when it says there that consumers also want to be in control of what others hear from them, that's very similar to what Yuval Noah Harari has said, that these technocrats will basically be able to read your feelings and essentially hear what you are saying to yourself so that they know what you're actually feeling. It says here, I'll read these two, 51%, around half expect to have headbands that can transmit sound directly to our brains, 54% in crowded places such as buses, 54% expect to be able to create a digital sound bubble to block out unwanted noise. Now, folks, once they connect you to the VR headset or the Neuralink brain chip, while you're sitting in your 400 square foot pod prison cell, your smart apartment, you'll be going into the subway, but you'll be entering it through the metaverse, as we will get into shortly. So you won't have any sound problems. And that is what this Internet of Senses is all about. Don't think for a second that it's really about you being able to use a Bose cancellation, noise cancellation headset down in the subway. This is the technology they're developing for the apparatus that you'll be wearing when you enter the metaverse or for the neurotechnology that 
Neuralink brain chip will be using as it's planted inside your head when you're entering the metaverse. When we get back, folks, we're going to go down the rest of this list, and then I will advance into smart cities and the metaverse. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold in the metaverse. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on pain.tv slash gold, and you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, we are breaking down the Internet of Senses for you and the top 10 hottest new trends that consumers expect from the technocrats. This is what we want, folks. So let me get this article back up on the screen. So we went over trend one, your brain is the user interface. We went over trend two, sounds like me. And now we are entering trend three, which is any flavor you want. And folks, again, this is a very detailed uh, paper. It would take me multiple episodes to cover the entire thing. So if you want it, it's at Ericsson with two S's. Uh, I'll tweet this out from at Hackable Animal and retweet it on the Dustin Gold Show. So if you want it, um, it's important. I'd read it if you're interested in this type of thing. Trend three, any flavor you want. Our taste buds produce powerful personal experiences, and they are about to be digitized. Video data accounts for the most online traffic today, but seeing isn't always believing. Looks can deceive. That's why, as newcomers to the physical world, babies learn about an object by instinctively putting it in their mouths. It goes on to say, until now, our online existence has not allowed us to practice digital mouthing, but that is set to change. Could you imagine putting a device in your mouth that digitally enhances the food you eat so that anything could taste exactly how you want it to? Folks, uh, I don't know. Crickets, does that come to mind? The fact that Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari and the rest of the gang want us eating uh, Jiminy Cricket? Well, now you can eat a can full of crickets, but it could taste like butterscotch ice cream. How about that, folks? Oh, yeah, this is what they're talking about. It says right here, more than 4 in 10 consumers, 44%, expect to be able to taste their memories in the future. Uh, Sounds very much like the Matrix. This should be creeping you out. It says the ability to share what you taste with your friends is predicted by 38% of consumers. Okay? So you have real people out there that want this stuff. Talk about getting as far away from what we are naturally wired to do, which is to hunt and gather, protect our family, provide food, shelter, clothing, 
the basic necessities. Uh, focus on your neighborhood, your community, your local government. Get active in your local church, your local political groups. Try to know who your alderman is or your councilman or your mayor. No, 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 no. Now, because you could jump into your VR metaverse and share what you're eating with your imaginary friend in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the world they want us living in. Okay, let's go. Trend four, digital aroma. Currently, smell is almost impossible to convey digitally. But this is all expected to change. We may have all but lost our understanding of fragrances. Modern people use deodorant to conceal their body odors. And traffic exhaust fumes in our bustling megacities make us numb to olfactory sensations. We may even think of our noses just as a place to put our glasses or as a reminder that we have caught a cold. In reality, smell is important. The chemical language of scent is a physical sensation that affects us directly and deeply. This is why, for example, car manufacturers make sure that their cars smell new, or why coffee shops are so much more alluring than vacuum-packed coffee from the supermarket. And any of you who have ever gone to you know, Las Vegas or Disney World or such, you know that they pump the smells of chocolates and perfumes and such into these casinos to make them pleasant but also they say some of those smells actually calm you down they make you uh uh less you know freaked out about losing money and so you'll sit there and you'll continue to gamble so so far they're talking about the trends the sensations you know first off it's controlled by your brain then blocking out sounds then tasting anything and now being able to smell anything trend number five is total touch consumers are expecting that we'll be able to touch anything anywhere completely digitally anyone who has played mario kart can attest that a vibrating controller adds to the experience However, those who have tried the VR arcade version might agree it takes everything up a level with a mock-up cart that shakes in sync with the game to create an impression of a moving vehicle. As I mentioned to you earlier, these um, f- you know, 4D uh, rides they have at Universal Studios. Goes on to say digital touch is set to grow way beyond the rumble of your game controller on the haptic feedback of current VR systems. Going forward, people will think of digital touch as something affecting their whole body and not just their hands. The most easy-to-imagine feature for consumers is the physical impact of sound, with 7 in 10 foreseeing earphones that can digitally transfer the physical impact of live concert bass sounds to their chests. And there's a lot more on that as well, folks. Seriously, I mean, what about going to a concert? What about experiencing the touch and feel of fabrics inside of the clothing stores? I don't like buying clothes on Amazon. Unfortunately, I'm a guy that uh, still wears suits. 
Uh, when I go out to dinner with my wife, I dress up for events. Uh, when I was a young kid, uh, I'm 41 now, there were still a lot of gentlemen, older gentlemen, who wore suits to church. They wore fedora hats. They would actually sit in front of the old grocery store, smoking their cigarettes, reading the newspaper. And when women came walking across the parking lot, they would tip their hat and say, hello, my lady, and then open the door for her. And so I grew up seeing these older, uh, respected gentlemen, these very polite gentlemen, um, the, in their suits. And so I always wanted to wear a suit and I still wear suits whenever I have a chance. On my old podcast, I used to wear one, but I actually had people told me to tone it down because it doesn't fit the times. So I don't wear my suits anymore. But uh, right now, it's very difficult to find suits. Even at the factory outlets, they don't stock a lot. And so I get stuck having to buy them online from Amazon and other places. And I hate it because I end up having to return them six times because the sizes don't fit. So we're going to lose all that because everything is going to be done in the digital world. But if we're living inside of our natural life prison uh, pod and entering this fake digital world, none of that will really matter anymore. We probably won't have to wear any clothes in our prison pod. I mean, what did most people wear if they quarantined for a year during COVID? Walking around the house in in your soiled underwear. (laughs) You know? All right, trend six, merged reality. Many believe that our physical and virtual realities will be interchangeable by 2030. You hear that? Many believe that our physical and virtual realities will be interchangeable by 2030. So that's the natural world and the metaverse, as I explained at the opening. When the internet was introduced, it divided the world into two, our physical existence and its digital shadow. We call these haves offline and online. But in fact, these words no longer carry much distinct meaning, as most everyday experiences are becoming a spaghetti-like tangle of on and offline activities. And I think I brought this up on a show, but there is a woman I know uh, from one of the grocery stores I worked at who is an avid Twitter MAGA follower, okay? And so I talked to her on and off about politics uh, because I was getting a lot of information from her about supply chains. And so when I talk to people in real life and I am trying to obtain uh, intelligence through a sort of long-term, you know, acquaintance relationship with someone... I always sort of play dumb and I let them talk to me and then I can figure out where they come from politically and then I can sort of morph and become a chameleon and then it allows me to um, to not get in an argument and burn that bridge. I learned that sort of in sales and in business. So, uh, And from my father growing up, uh, uh, he was a private investigator, former cop, so I learned a lot of those skills from him. And so this woman I befriended, and she would run up to me in the store every day when I saw her, and she'd start talking about some fight that went on in some echo chamber that she was living in on Twitter, and to her, it was a reality, and it really mattered to her, which I'm sure it did. Uh, And she'd be saying, you know, ZigZag44 just got in a beef with 6246 
twig head did you see that and i'm like oh no i missed it she's like oh my god it got like 31 retweets that's just a small you know personal example of how people are living both in and out of this metaverse at the same time it says here by 2030 half of respondents imagine the difference between physical and digital reality will be almost completely gone interest in merged realities was highlighted in our 2017 consumer trends report where we found that four in five uh, ar and vr users believe these technologies would be used as commonly as the internet within three years so you see they're creating this uh, merger this merger between the two worlds it says here seeing through walls with augmented reality glasses will be possible according to 56 percent of consumers and just so you know that virtual reality just think of you put on the headset and you're walking around inside of a video game okay that you've seen your kids or grandkids play or maybe you played yourself so you're walking inside of minecraft inside of roblox augmented reality glasses just think of it like you put on the glasses and you see everything that's in the room in front of you. But there will then be projections in the room. So if you said, uh, I want to know the heat in my house, it'll pop up and show you a thermostat and you walk around in the rooms and you can see that. You could say, bring on Tyrannosaurus Rex and a 3D T-Rex will come out. Now, they're starting to test this. You can find it on your uh, phone through some google search maybe i'll do a demo of that if you haven't seen it yet and basically i can hold up my phone here in my studio or in my bedroom or living room and i can click on uh, an elephant and the next thing you know an elephant is walking across my living room on my phone so that's what the augmented reality is so we touched on six of the ten already when i get back we're going to jump into the last four i think this is important because you want to learn about this technology what's coming you know what your children and grandchildren are interacting with well folks this is it this is the breakdown from the people that are researching and developing and deploying this technology it doesn't get any better than this i'm relaying it to you but it's not when it is my opinion i tell you it's my opinion when it's fact as far as what the creators the engineers the architects are publishing i'm reading their words so you're seeing the same white papers that they disseminate to their investors and to the scientists and engineers that are developing this crazy technology with them ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back i have to put on my vr goggles and enter my second life this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Dustin Gold, right here on Ping.TV slash gold, and you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. And ladies and gentlemen, we're breaking down sort of the elements that create the Internet of Senses which will be 
part of your life if you decide to live in the metaverse, folks. So let's continue here. We got through the first six, and now we're on trend seven, which is verified as real. When technology can mimic and manipulate our senses, how will we know what is real and what is fake? It says here, half of consumers believe that by 2030, an Internet of Senses could advance to the point where physical and digital realities have, for practical purposes, merged into one. Okay, physical and digital. And then the third part from Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari is the biological, where physical, digital, biological all become one. And so the article says, when the digital world is perceived to be as real as the physical world, what will happen to our perception of real versus fake? Take a similar debate is centered. uh, It says today, a similar debate is centered around fake news. By 2030, this could be a thing of the past. Given that half of respondents say news reporting services that feature extensive fact checks will be popular by then. In addition, 4 in 10 foresee the rise in popularity of online photos that are guaranteed to be unedited. Again, let's just lay this out quickly. Problem, reaction, solution, right? So they create the problem which would be, whatever, photo manipulation software. Then they provoke the reaction, okay, which is, oh, that's not fair. That girl faked her breast size, or that guy didn't really look like that in his photos, uh, the guy that I met on a date from one of the dating apps. And then they offer the solution, and the solution now is that everything will be fact-checked. And as you saw here, we showed how Elon Musk is doing that overall with artificial intelligence. You see how they're doing it with the deepfake software. You see how they're doing it with the mind twins and all of this technology. Uh, They sit there and they create the problem by creating the technology, then provoke the reaction, which is us to complain about being hacked or having our identity stolen or news or audio or video or whatever being manipulated. And then the solution is let us be the governing body. Let us be the fact checkers for you. It says right here, in a world full of avatars, being verified as human could be a real game changer. And perhaps from the foundation for exclusive social media platforms or services, ensuring genuine representation only. And folks, where did we hear that before? Elon Musk. When he was pretending that he was going to buy Twitter, it was all about verifying humans. Eliminating the bots by verifying humans when they could just eliminate the bots because their algorithms already tell them what is a bot and what is human, but they're not doing that. The solution is that they want to collect biometric data from you, retina scans, face scans, just like to get into your uh, iPhone now. You have to give up all of this information. So they create the problem so they can provoke the reaction and then the solution is give us more of your data. So the problem is technology, and then the solution is technology. It says exactly half of consumers think that fake news will be a thing of the past by 2030. Well, the question is, when they're fact-checking, what are they fact-checking the 
supposed fake news against. Now, if you're running government numbers, right, if I'm doing a story on, let's say, how much border wall was built under Donald Trump, how many miles of border wall were built? Well, short of me actually going down to the border and driving across all 2,000 miles and surveying and measuring it for myself, the only thing I could really go off of are the numbers that the government puts out. So I have to assume that the government is telling the truth or they're lying and then adjust accordingly, both up or down, to get to where I think would be an honest representation of how much border wall they built. But so when the fact checkers are checking, they can only fact check against the sources. For instance, I'm reading you this article from Erickson because they're sort of the foremost experts on the Internet of Senses. But could I be reporting fake news because Erickson is completely lying and everything we're reading is just completely made up? I guess so. But I have to go off of the assumption that the foremost experts on Internet of Senses that are helping develop it are telling the truth. You know, so what they're doing now is putting you into a world where you're so confused. And I've said many times, um, if you can't get the people to trust you 100% of the time, uh, or if you can't get the people to believe you 100% of the time, get them to disbelieve you 100% of the time, because in the end, they will retreat and or surrender and the result will be the same. And so that's what they're doing is they're creating this world of confusion in which you can really trust nothing anymore. And then the solution is that you're going to get a retina scan uh, and give up your blood samples and your DNA to these life hackers, to these technocrats, these transhumanists, in order to access these systems in which they're forcing you into, corralling you into. And not just you. You know, me as well. When I say you, I'm just trying to talk to you individually as the viewer, uh, not the group of us, but there's a group of us here, and we are all susceptible to this. So trend eight, post-privacy consumers. In a data-driven future, consumers see regulation and transparency as a means to resolving privacy issues. Regulation. Okay, so now they have to regulate everything, right? Half of respondents in our study can be classified as post-privacy consumers. On the one hand, they expect digital data laws to clearly regulate public and private data use so that privacy concerns no longer exist. Who's enforcing these privacy concerns, these regulations, I ask? It goes on to say, on the other hand, they also believe that technology such as face recognition will be used everywhere to the extent that the concept of privacy no longer exists. So they're, they're willing to give up their privacy. It goes on to say, this may seem like a paradox, but post-privacy consumers expect privacy issues to be totally resolved so that they can safely reap the benefits of a data-driven world. An astonishing 83% of them are interested in an Internet of Senses compared to just over half the other respondents. Thus, removing personal data rights issues will be a key challenge for companies in the next decade. Thus, removing personal data rights issues. Hmm. That is interesting. Okay, this goes on with a lot more statistics, but again, I, I've got to jump over this. Um, you know, I, the more I'm looking at this, I might do, um, 
a separate show, like a one-hour sh- I could probably do this in one hour, like a one-hour show maybe and put this out as not an episode, but maybe a little special because there is a lot of good information in here. Um, let's go on. Trend nine, connected sustainability. The ability to digitally be anywhere might save more than just our time. It could help save our planet too. Oh, man. The ability to digitally be anywhere might save more than just our time. It could help save our planet, too. Okay, so they have to tug at the heartstrings now. Of course, the prison planet technology that they are putting into place everywhere will not destroy the planet, folks. Not at all. Uh, Today, youth all over the world are crying out to older generations to make a radical U-turn towards a sustainable future. Simultaneously, digital technology is at a tipping point where it is viewed by top researchers as a wild card, meaning that it can be used to either rapidly transform our economic systems or to drive emissions even higher. It is up to us. Let's read a little bit more on that. The good news is that 6 in 10 think Internet of Senses-based services will make society more environmentally sustainable. So it's the good news is that 60% think Internet of Senses-based services will make society more environmentally sustainable. All right, so they're proud of that. This group also view other questions about technology and the environment completely differently to others. For instance, 55% of them foresee climate-proof internet subscriptions that guarantee connectivity during environmental disruptions compared to only 24% of others. Half of them also expect water purification and de- salination to become cheap and readily available to anyone while only one in five of others think so and so this section goes on to talk about 3d printers and the cost of 3d printers but i think you can see where uh where this is all going let's go to trend 10 sensational services services spanning all of the senses are expected to digitize or digitalize daily life so it says in this study consumers predict that by the next decade digital sound and vision complemented by touch taste smell and more will transform our current screen-based experiences into multi-sensory ones that are practically inseparable from physical reality what would everyday life be like in such a world i don't know i think myself personally it would be terrible but that's just me in part this change is already happening elements of the other senses are coming into play such as virtual reality headset accessories with aroma generators and micro heaters or coolers haptic feedback body suits or simple vibrating game controllers perhaps you will eventually be able to taste a glass of digital wine while hanging out with friends in a game with some luck that won't lead to a digital hangover the next day folks let me just explain this i know all of you probably the listeners here and and i wish this show actually um could reach a younger audience and there's some allies sort of i believe in, in our space real people organic people that i've met through maria albanese 
uh, may be able to help push this out because I want to get this show out to younger people. I want to warn them of these technologies. And so to me, it's like the, there's only two sets of people that I can see really delving into this and buying into this. And those are one, uh, I'm talking about right now today. I know in the future they're going to connect everyone up to it. That's the goal. But one would be senior citizens living in senior homes who have um, disabilities that disallow them from going out into the real world. And so they miss all of these sensations and life experiences that they've had. And so it would be very easy to dupe them into putting on um, a bodysuit and a VR headset. And the other would be younger people who've never actually experienced any of this stuff. Uh, And so they're willing to just jump into this world because they believe that is actually what it's like to experience it. And so the ultimate goal is that they are going to make life horrible and terrible like in the Matrix so that you want nothing more than to escape the hellhole that they create through the prison planet and go into the metaverse to live in your mansion and to hike in the mountains. But when I met my wife, one of the first dates we went on, she uh, had me go camping with her in Assateague Island, uh, not far from us. And it is this beach where um, there are beautiful horses that are that live there on the island and they run free on the island. And so when you're in Assateague walking down the beach and you smell the crisp you know, ocean breeze and the sand under your feet and the wind blowing on your face and you see a horse run by you and the, the wind is blowing through the willows and the grass and then you go back to your campsite that looks straight out into the ocean and you light a fire with your friends and then you grill steaks and lobsters and seafood or whatever it is that you're making And then in the morning, you set up your jet boil. It's like a little propane-powered boiler. And you make a fresh cup of tea or coffee. And then you cook breakfast and the smell of the eggs blowing around in the air, the eggs and the bacon. No, you can never convince me that I could do that inside of their metaverse, nor would I ever want to. Because walking down the beach with my wife and holding her hand as the wind blows in my face and the horses gallop by, you will never take that from me. You will never take the natural world away from me because I would rather die than live inside of your disgusting satanic metaverse. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back... We're going to delve a little bit deeper into the Internet of Senses before I move on to smart cities. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Resist this, folks. Resist this in your lives. Tell your children and tell your grandchildren. This is dangerous. It's anti-human and it's anti-natural. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This 
This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't take that away from me. I will never give in. I will never go into the matrix, folks. I am red-pilled for eternity. I will never go into the matrix. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just recap what we went over for you. And actually, I just found a graphic in here, an infographic. I'll put that out on Twitter as well. And if I can... I've been having an issue with the Pain.TV app on my phone. I think it's my phone. So I'll try to post it up on there as well. But it says right here, um, this was what consumers expect. It's an Internet of Senses. And so we went over the uh, 10 trends that we could expect in the coming years. And let me just recap that for you before we move on to the next piece. Trend one, your brain is the user interface. Trend two, sounds like me. Trends three, any flavor you want. Trend four, digital aroma. Trend five, total touch. Trend six, merged reality. Trend seven, verified as real. Trend eight, post-privacy consumers. Trend nine, connected sustainability. And trend 10, sensational services. And for those of you on the uh, video side over at pain.tv slash gold, I have up on the screen summary of 10 hot consumer trends 2030. And these are the trends that we just went over with a couple of bullet points on each, okay? Now, I'm going to jump over. I'm staying on Ericsson.com, but I just want to give you guys a little bit more information on the Internet of Senses just in case you are having um, difficulty understanding this concept because for those of you uh, where this is new information, I know sometimes it's a bit hard to absorb. It is for me sometimes as well, and so I have to read things a couple of times. And uh, I know with this stuff, some of you have emailed me, and you listen to the show two, three times, and you're taking notes, and wow, uh, God bless you guys, because uh, it shows me that you're gaining a lot of information and what I'm doing over here serves a purpose, okay, which is to educate others and provide you with information that you can share with others and hopefully we can resist like the old timers that were shoplifting at Wegmans, okay? We have to resist these guys in any way possible. All right, it says right here, immersive physical experience interacting with our senses of sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch across the Internet. So the article we just read was the 10 trends for 2030, although a lot of those were going to come into effect by 2025. But this is just a little bit more in-depth on Internet of Senses, so we can explain it a little bit. So it says right here, today we can play virtual reality games with people all over the world, get instant augmented reality translations of a foreign restaurant menu on our smartphone meet grandma over a video call and when driving watch out for the traffic that is digitally recreated on a screen 
These are all examples of extended reality, XR as they call it, using audio and video that lets us experience our physical surroundings differently and even allows us to be together with people who are physically miles apart. Looking forward to the technology development over the coming decade, we expect devices, sensors, and actuators, as well as context-aware applications and network enablers to enable these experiences to become richer, involving all our senses, and ultimately merging the digital and physical worlds. We call this experience the Internet of Senses. So when they're talking about merging the digital and physical worlds, this is where you get this idea of the Internet of Things, as we talked about. That's all the devices. The Internet of Bodies comes from the wearable devices, the smartwatches, the Fitbits, and then eventually implanted devices like the Neuralink brain chip. And then you have the Internet of Senses, which allows you to experience natural life senses inside of the digital world. Okay. I, I think we're, I think it's becoming easier to understand that when you put all this together, the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, the Internet of Senses, you have effectively what they call the Internet of Everything, where everything is hooked up and connected to the Internet, and then the metaverse is this second life, completely digital, completely immersive world that you go into, but when you come out of it, you'll still semi-be connected through the internet of everything in the natural world because you'll have either glasses or a contact lens or a VR uh, headset, more, well, you'd have an AR headset that allows you to sort of interact with that digital space while you're in the natural world. And I'll just read this because I think it's important. In the Internet of Senses, visual, audio, haptic, and other technologies allow human beings to have digital sensory experiences similar to the ones we experience in the physical world. The Internet of Senses augments our senses beyond the boundaries of our bodies, giving us augmented vision, hearing, touch, and smell. It enables us to blend multi-sensory digital experiences with our local surroundings and interact with remote people devices and robots as if they were right beside us okay do you understand how that works so it augments our senses beyond the boundaries of our bodies okay so it's giving you this fake vision and hearing and touch and smell based on what you're seeing or your brain is processing and creating inside your head from the digital metaverse world and so now you have the blend of multi-sensory digital experiences with the local surroundings and you can interact with remote people, devices, and robots. Those are in the digital space, but as if they're sitting right next to you. I know it, it's really hard to understand because it's freaky, but, I'm, but in my belief, folks, they, they're building it. They actually are building it, and it will be done. I mean, they're not stopping. You see how many companies, uh, how many investors, how many governments are behind this. Uh, sensory experiences delivered over the networks are the essence of the Internet of Senses and can be demonstrated through use cases such as Five senses merge reality, immersive communication, remote operation of machinery. All senses 
online shopping, and sustainable vacations in virtual reality. And just think of soldiers. You've heard stories of soldiers down in bunkers in Texas or Colorado that get into a simulation suit and they're literally controlling a drone that is bombing people across the other side of the world and in some cases they don't know if they're actually in a simulation in their training or they're actually bombing real people because they're basically running the mission inside of a miniature a micro metaverse okay Let's continue. The Internet of Senses will transform our digital experiences to fully immersive by making them multisensory. Imagine an immersive experience of a beach. Oh, I just gave you one. A beach where you can feel the wind blowing on your face, the heat of the sun on your back, the humidity of the ocean air on your skin, and experience the fresh smell of the ocean breeze right into your living room. Such multi-sensory experiences delivered over future networks will lead to the emergence of the Internet of Senses. Folks, if it doesn't, uh, I don't, I'm not Glenn Beck over here or Alex Jones, but this stuff sort of brings a tear to my eye. Because, as you know, if you're a listener of the show, I have a child coming um, at the end of October. I'm 41. I waited a long time to have a kid, but uh, I decided that I that I wanted to do it a while ago, and the opportunity just wasn't there. And so now I'm having a child with my wife, and we are doing a home uh, birth. We work with a midwifery and a doula who are helping us with this, and we're hopefully doing a water birth. So it's done in a pool, and I'm going to actually do a whole show about this because it's uh, very interesting, and it's in line with living one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix. We're doing this whole natural birth and hopefully no painkillers, no drugs. I'll be in the pool there with her. I'm actually going to, uh, they're teaching me everything. I'm going to catch the baby and then take the baby as my wife's in the pool and it's going to be put up on her belly, on her chest. And so there's this great book called Birth Without Violence uh, written in the 70s. And I'm going to share that book on this show as well. I don't think it's in print anymore. I had to get a used copy. I actually found three and bought all three of them. And uh, my mother read it. Um, She wanted to do a water birth with me as a kid. But back then, the hospitals uh, weren't really offering it. And there was really no birthing centers. And she didn't know anything about midwives back then. And so she recommended the book. And we read it. And we decided to go this route and one of the things we chose not to do was we do not want to know the gender of the baby because there's very few surprises in this world and that is probably the greatest uh, surprise that i could think of ever getting better than any christmas presents and i've gotten a lot of great christmas presents from my parents and from my wife and so We're going to find out the the gender of the baby as it, you know, as my wife gives birth to it. And so it's going to be this very, you know, sensory filled experience, something I think neither of us will ever forget. And so when I talk about going to the ocean with my wife and I think about bringing our child to the ocean and our child hiking and backpacking and all the things that we already have planned for our for our kid these people these technocrats want to take that away 
uh, from my child. They want to strip our children, our grandchildren, our future children, our future grandchildren, our great-grandchildren of the experiences of the natural world, of being human ourselves. These people are anti-human. They want to take it away and put you inside of a video game. That's what they're selling you. Peter Thiel said that Christianity, and whether you're Christian or not does not matter, but, but you understand the point that Christianity and transhumanism are very similar. There's only a few slight metaphysical differences because God was offering you this eternal life with him in heaven, and Peter Thiel is offering you eternal life right here with him in the prison planet technocracy floating in and out of their cyber prison metaverse and the natural life prison they're building all around us. Folks, I'm not going to ever agree to that. And I want you to fully understand this so that you can say, I will not agree to that either. But you have to know what it is that you are not agreeing to. And this is what it is. This is what these people are building. They are attempting to hijack hack and pirate the natural world taking away all human experiences and then eventually stripping you of your humanity and turning you into a cyborg we've proven that here ladies and gentlemen when i go to break just think about it close your eyes and remember the last time you walked across that beach What you see in your head, the memories that you have, are the most important thing. You can remember those things. You can smell it yourself. You don't need to go into their cyber fake metaverse to have these experiences. You can go to the beach yourself and do it, or you can close your eyes and think about it, or you can lay your head down at night and dream about it. And it's as real as being there because those memories are in your head you don't need the transhumanist technocrats to suck them out of your brain using a Neuralink brain chip and then pump them back into your head and make you feel it through their internet of senses ladies and gentlemen i'm dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard i'll be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and this is pain.tv slash gold, ladies and gentlemen. Just say no. Just say no. You remember that campaign? The just say no to drugs? Well, I think... Yeah, once we get a little bit bigger, I think that is it. I'm writing it down in my notes. I was thinking about it on the break. As I closed my eyes and I thought about walking on the beach with my wife and my future child. And in my head, 
I saw this thing. It said, just say no. Just say no to the technocrats. Just say no to their technology. Just say no to all of this anti-natural, anti-human technology that they are building. Just say no and reject it. And I think that is what we have to do. We have to focus on this. Just say no. In your personal life, every time you are encountered with some sort of, and I'm not talking about clickbait as far as, uh, you know, article headlines that get you to click and such, but there is clickbait all around us. That's the way to think of it. Everything is quick clickbait. They want you to trade your liberty, your freedom, your humanity, your natural experiences for perceived convenience. You notice when we were talking about the Internet of Things and Internet of Bodies from their articles, from their white papers, a lot of what they talked about was the ability to shop easier and buy things. And so that's where the clickbait comes from. Oh, if I just jump on this app or I just put on a VR headset, I could shop faster, shop better, shop more efficiently. And that is how they get you to click on the bait. And the bait then puts you into these mini micro metaverses that they are building. And what we have to do, folks, is just say no. Okay, what I want to do right now is while we're on this Ericsson.com page, I want to go through uh, just a few slides they have here before we move on to smart cities. Now, in this article, there's a lot more information as well on the background and the driving forces. There's a video here, which I actually downloaded, but the video is one of the ones that... um, it's just music with text, and it's a lot of text. And the way my screen is set up, I'm going to have a hard time reading the text. And so um, what I will do is sometime this week, if I, I should have time, but sometime this week, I will, um, I will record it myself, and then that way I can play the video for you with the text being narrated uh, because otherwise it's going to be pointless to do it here. I'm going to have to keep stopping and, re- and, and, and leaning over and reading it. And it's just going to be a mess. And so I will also post um, these articles on my Twitter page for you, but let me go through these slides before we move into the smart cities. Um, it says going a bit deeper. And the first slide here is next generation devices and sensors. The Internet of Senses will require many technological advances in devices and sensors to make the XR experience as indistinguishable from reality as possible. Now, let me just say this. I hate to keep stopping, but as I've mentioned to you before, these guys are playing God. They want to be God. But they are not gods because everything they do is about hacking, pirating, hijacking, and then duplicating, duplicating. So to make the metaverse as real as possible, to get people to adapt it, they're talking about making it as indistinguishable from reality as possible. Because there's a bridge here, okay? There's a generation being born this moment, and then there's senior citizen, old people that are near passing away, right? And so they have to 
suck everyone in at a certain point until eventually one generation is actually born into it and then they don't actually know what reality is similar to the matrix so if you're born inside of one of those pods with the matrix plug hooked up to the back of your head the Neuralink brain chip you don't know anything different than that it's like um think of it like uh, I know it's a touchy subject, but think of it like a slave, and I was against slavery, so think of it like a slave on a plantation. If you were captured in Africa uh, by the British, uh, who, who you know the, the tribesmen would sell their people to the British, and then the British would come over to America and sell the slaves. Well, obviously you knew what freedom was or some semblance of freedom when you're stuck down in a plantation somewhere. And so then what happens is you end up having a child who's born, okay, into slavery. And so that child knows nothing more than slavery except from the stories that you tell them. But if they separate the child okay, from the father, from the parents, then those parents can't pass on those stories to the child. So you can separate the newborns from the elders and they will never know. Or maybe that person heard some stories from some of the elders, they have a child, they pass on the story, but once it goes a couple generations deep, those stories fade away. And so eventually being born into slavery is just your world that's your reality that's your normal now deep inside you may be like neo from the matrix you may have a feeling that something is wrong something doesn't feel right and i think throughout history people born into fascism people born into authoritarianism people born into tyranny and eventually people that will be born into the technocracy will still have something inside them, right, in their DNA, wired inside them. And that is what I believe is your soul speaking to you. People that go, wait, something isn't right. Something is wrong here. And that is eventually what is going to occur, and it's occurred throughout history. And those are the people we come to know as the freedom fighters. Those are the people who stood up to tyranny throughout the centuries and so that is what i hope we breed here at this show is a bunch of freedom fighters because you obviously found me and you listen to me and you're doing your own research on these topics you're finding other podcasters that talk about the technocracy and transhumanism because deep inside you know something is not right something is wrong we are surrounded by evil And so I hope this is the community that we're building here, and I hope you can spread this message to your children and grandchildren because in the end, they're the ones who matter in this fight. It goes on to say the paradigm shift towards lightweight augmented reality devices is a key step towards merging digital experiences into our physical context. This will require advances in, for example, haptic devices so that true perception of the properties of the real objects can be provided another area is still immature is the sensing and actuation of smells okay slide number two multi-sensory and holographic communication holographic communication will enable increased 
presence in meetings by allowing avatars or even photorealistic human representations that behave as if they are physically present in the room with you. That's like the Mind Twins Artificial Intelligence Foundation. Multisensory extensions to such uh, what is that? Hollow portation technology will over time increase the level of immersion by adding realistic interchange of more than sound and images such as touch and smell. Holographic communication is not limited to avatars and, inclu- and can include any kind of digital object, including sensory experiences, for example, digitally conveying the taste of coffee. Wow, this is pretty amazing, folks. I'm so, you know, and I think, I think, I I will give her a hat hat tip. I believe it was Maria Albanese who sent me an article on the Internet of Senses about a week or two ago when I told her I was working on the Internet of Bodies and Internet of Things, and she found that. um, And I had read about it briefly about a year ago, and then... Uh, her article sparked my memory, and I said, wait a second. I went and started looking it up and came across um, this new stuff here. Uh, the third slide says augmented humans. We foresee the rise of a number of body augmentation capabilities that will enable humans to be smarter, stronger, and more capable than we are today. That's genetic modification and the Neuralink brain chip they're talking about. We can expect the arrival of contact lenses that can take pictures or video or even show augmented reality content. Universal translator earbuds that allow us to communicate anywhere in the world. We will also see a non-intrusive brain-computer interface, that's the Neuralink brain chip, for example, being able to give commands to a device by just thinking of it, or use reading of muscular activity to navigate an AR interface naturally. Context-aware networks and applications together with XR devices can augment our daily lives. Examples of these include being able to see around corners in traffic situations. Um, and then so this is cut off. Okay. Um, slide number four, what was that? Four brain computer interfaces, similar to XR wireless BCI devices need high data rates, ultra low latency and high reliability from the future network. However, BCIs, that's, uh, brain computer interfaces are much more sensitive than XR physical perceptual requirements arising out of the human senses cognition and physiology okay so that's the neuralink brain chip they're talking about okay and then slide five network platform enablers use cases like streaming interactive xr content from the cloud will benefit from the network support moreover to enable devices with a small form factor such as ar glasses which resemble regular eyeglasses compute needs to be pushed from the devices to the edge of the network network compute will also be needed to process new privacy and security demands that xr technologies will raise as another example spatial mapping for xr requires cm level device location accuracy which can be enabled with network-based positioning 
Finally, 5G network APIs are required to support bandwidth and latency reservation, network latency reporting, and network in-slice prioritization. You see this, folks? I mean, these guys are hard at work. This stuff is, is on the way. It's being built. But you can just say no. I want you to think about it. I actually want you to take a deep breath when we go to commercial break. And I want you to just utter the three words, folks. Just say no. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And we'll be right here, right back on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I was originally going to call this podcast brave new world or brave new podcast because i was going to be delving into um technocracy and transhumanism and i said you know i'm just going to brand it around my name uh years ago when i was fighting the city of new haven connecticut and i was on radio there there was a journalist who hated me hated me with the new haven advocate betsy betsy agla was her name i believe and she wrote this multiple page piece on me and she had all these themes like the gold standard, uh, fool's gold, the gold nugget. And so I said, ah, you know, I'm going to stick with the dust and gold standard. That sounds good. You know, I'll use uh, the people who hate me's words against them. I thought it was a cute play on words. So I did that. And I'm like sitting here over the break going, wow, wow, we should have uh, called this Brave New World because that is what we're entering if we don't just say no, folks. All right, let's jump over. I, I think with Internet of Senses, you guys have a clear understanding. I think I did a pretty good job of that. And so um, if you have any questions or if anyone wants me to uh, dig up any more information as I've done throughout episodes when you've said to me, oh, you brushed over certain things. I went back and uh, redid the dedicated, you know, one or two segments to a topic to expand on that. So if that's the case, hit me up at gold at or on Twitter at Dustin Gold Show or at Hackable Animal, or you can join pain.tv slash gold and reach out to me on there. Uh, But I will probably go through the 10 hot consumer trends in detail, as I said, in maybe like an hour special episode, not a full uh, episode. Um, And I've got a note for that, and I'll try to fit it in at some point. Okay, so we've got the Internet of Things. We've got the Internet of Bodies. We've got the Internet of Senses, which really make up the Internet of all things, the Internet of Everything. And so now, let me just touch on, even though this fits under Internet of Things, but I want to touch on smart cities, okay? And the reason why I want to do that is because smart cities play into the physical side, right, where the digital side is the metaverse, which we'll get into, but the physical side of the prison planet, of the matrix, are going to be the smart cities, which are equipped with this whole Internet of Everything. Well, you're, well, you'll have the Internet of Senses and Internet of Things and Internet of Bodies. 
Okay, so this article is on NayaEnergy.com. That's N-A-Y-A Energy.com. And it says, Smart Cities, Internet of Things, and Bill Gates. And so, um, sorry, my mouse froze for a second. It says, are we facing just another buzzword phenomenon, or are smart cities truly a step forward in the right direction to improve urban planning? Okay, urban planning, social engineering. What exactly is a smart city? Smart cities are commonly known as planned urban environments in which information is collected and used in a way that maximizes the efficiency of various resources and assets within the city. Most smart cities accomplish this through the use of various electronic data collection sensors and systems. All right, so just ask yourself, what is the difference between a smart city and a prison? Okay, now, they may or may not get into some of the topics that I would eventually like to discuss as we expand on smart cities in a episode that I have planned all by itself. But I thought it was important to bring in smart cities here so that you have an understanding of it before we get into the metaverse, which is more complex, okay? So you say, what's the difference between a smart city and a prison compound? Just... Think about that because eventually, uh, once you understand it, it's going to feel just just like what a prison compound would be. It says right here, this type of organization impacts almost every activity within the city, including traffic flow management, public and private transportation, power, water, food, and other community necessities. And so they have a diagram here showing smart manufacturing, smart government, smart Wi-Fi, smart healthy, open data, digital citizens, smart farming, smart buildings, smart energy, and smart transportation. And that's called the smart city life. It says this comprehensive management of resources, amongst other things, is done by using aggregated data, communication technology, and the Internet of Things, which allows for device-to-device communication. Some of the more technologically advanced cities like San Diego, San Francisco, Ottawa, Brisbane, Amsterdam, Kyoto, and Bangalore are all setting trends with their use of information technology. San Francisco is great, by the way. (laughs) Oh, man. How are these smart cities setting trends with information technology? These smart cities are boosting efficiency while minimizing their waste of resources. Some people, however, are worried about what this might mean for normal cities. In a 2008 publication called From Intelligent to Smart Cities, the author explains how the self-congratulatory nature of the claims cities make in being smarter and more efficient can spark entrepreneurial competition. The author asks us to be aware of that, quote, if left to be entrepreneurial, there is a strong chance that smart cities will develop in a way which is too uh, neoconservative and insufficiently progressive, end quote. 
This point of view, man, this is hilarious. This point of view follows a similar pattern from the 1990s when New York launched the famous, quote, I Heart New York, end quote, campaign to improve tourism. It caused a ripple effect throughout America. Quote, every city wanted to be like New York to be seen, in other words, as clean, safe, and, quote, open for business, end quote. Regardless of the fear that smart cities could be repeating history, the reality is that with the influence of companies like IBM, the world is moving towards creating, at the very least, smarter cities. Now, let me just ask you a question as we got through that. So they fear that what will happen is these cities will become too entrepreneurial and too commercial, sort of what they're saying, right? They don't want competition from the entrepreneurs. But see, the lie in that, okay, the falsehood is that these cities are being built by the entrepreneurs. As you all know, the technologies that are driving the technocracy, the Internet of Things, transhumanism, you know, the Internet of Bodies, all of the technology we've looked at comes from the supposed private sector even though we know that the government develops most of these technologies and then hands them off to puppets, to oligarchs, to PR men in the private sector to bring forward and normalize and humanizes them through late-night comedy shows, movies, and TV shows. Okay, so they're already working in cooperation, as we've proven through Klaus Schwab's words and others, that the private-public partnership is, in fact, one entity. And so this idea that somehow the entrepreneurs are, are going to ruin it, the entrepreneurs are the ones who built it. They're the ones who came up with it, uh, at least as far as we're supposed to believe, although much of this is done in these government think tanks and these NGOs and places like World Economic Forum. All right? So the government and the private sector are all on board with this. They're all part of it. They are building prison cities. It says here, Bill Gates is backing smart cities. And I know we haven't gone into depth on Bill Gates in the show, and I think that's because there's a a plethora of content out there on him. We touched on his uh, 0600606 patent uh, the other day. And so I'll work him in when it's necessary, but I don't think I need to do a whole show on him, not just yet, but eventually I will. Bill Gates is backing smart cities currently one of the larger initiative towards the construction of smart cities in arizona is headed by microsoft's very own bill gates when a man like bill gates buys twenty-five thousand acres of land 45 minutes away from phoenix the question that should be asked is why now let me ask you we know that he is the largest uh, farmland owner today, or at least he was a couple of months ago. And so we believe, many of us believe, he's going to try to kill off farms so that he can promote and sell his plant-based lab meat. And also, I believe that a lot of the land he's buying, he's going to turn into these smart cities uh, all over the place, probably in partnership with the government, and make himself trillions of dollars, but at the same time, be able to control and have power over people, which is the ultimate goal. Now, they're talking about the worries of the quote-unquote entrepreneurial world, the private sector, from getting involved with smart cities, when it says right here, Bill Gates is building a smart city, <laughs> has built a smart city. 
So it says here, to many, Arizona is simply thought of as a desert. To others, it's the future. Bill Gates dreams of creating the city of Belmont, and he envisions Belmont as a smart city. Arizona is uniquely suited towards being a leader for the state of urban development in the next century, with temperatures already extreme heights, a growing economy, and an increasing interest by major innovators. Arizona presents a uniquely fertile environment for sustainable development. The planned Belmont and the changes to Phoenix are not the first times that Arizona has seen an attempt at optimization of urban life. Architect Paolo Soleri built the well-known town of Arcosante, 70 miles from Phoenix, in the 70s. Construction of Arcosante is still ongoing, though the focus there is less on the use of Internet technology and more on architecture and philosophy. The idea is similar. Well, one is built on architect and philosophy. The other is a prison planet. So I don't know how it's similar, but I guess it's similar because they're both called cities. I'm not sure. Some question whether Phoenix or Arizona are actually good choices for such development. I touched on this earlier, but some aspects like the heat, the sparsity of resources, uh, for example, water and wood, and indeed the extremity of the climate make it unsavory as a choice for such urban environments. But here's the thing. If it works in what's possibly one of the most inhospitable climates in the entire world, shouldn't it work anywhere? This, I believe, is one of the reasons why such progress should be made in a place like Arizona. What better place for a prison complex than Arizona, folks? If it works here, even if the temperature keeps rising, the solutions for Arizona have the potential to be solutions for the entire world. Okay, so this just gives you an idea here of what they're talking about with these smart cities. It gives you an idea of what Bill Gates, one of these guys heavily involved in the whole COVID land high school theater production, are involved with. Okay, and so the smart cities are these interconnected cities, totally controlled from the traffic flow to the heat or coolness in your apartment or your home to the control of the water flow in your toilets, completely 100% controlled by algorithms, by computers, by artificial intelligence, totally run by the technocrats and people are willing to move into these some don't even know anything about it and they end up moving in others actually cheered this stuff on for some reason and i cannot figure out why but for some reason bred into some humans is this desire to be a slave a desire to be told what to do, a desire to be controlled, a desire to be babied, something about them. They just can't go off on their own. They can't be independent. They can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and be some kind of a rugged individualist. They don't want true freedom. They don't want true liberty because that is the unknown. They would rather be coddled and bossed around and forced right into the cattle car and sent down the tracks to Auschwitz concentration camp where I was standing just a month ago today, looking at the train tracks where the trains came down and brought the slaves, brought the prisoners 
into the camps before they were tortured and executed. And for some reason, there are humans out there that want this future for themselves and they want to push it on all of us. But folks, you know what you say to them? No. Just say no. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, smart cities are for stupid people. Just say no. Smart cities are for stupid people. Just say no, folks. All right, so that was just a brief touch. Just a brief touch on the smart cities because I'm going to do an entire episode on that. But I thought it was important to introduce you to the concept of smart cities before we talk a little bit about the metaverse. Because, again, what I was trying to do yesterday introducing you to the Internet of Things and the Internet of Bodies, then tonight the Internet of Senses and the Smart City. So you can see this you know, physical world in which they're hijacking, the technocrats are hijacking and building their technocratic matrix around, sort of choking us out at every turn. And essentially this concept of the smart city will be a smart globe. And within that, you will have the Internet of Things, Internet of Bodies, and Internet of Senses all interacting to create the Internet of Everything. And then when you're in this, what's left of the natural world, It'll be totally controlled by sort of this software, Microsoft operating system uploaded into everything. And then on the other side is the metaverse. So what I'm going to introduce you to now is the metaverse. And we're kind of lucky this article just came out. And I'm going to introduce you to the metaverse through this article, which actually dropped uh, yesterday. It's actually the 13th today, so it dropped on the 12th. And then tomorrow, we are going to analyze a World Economic Forum panel discussion on the metaverse. That is actually all we'll be doing tomorrow because it's a longer video and I want to listen to the people that are leading the charge on the metaverse actually talk about it um, uh, from a non-conspiratorial angle. Just what are they saying? What are the people building it saying? And then that way we would have wrapped up sort of uh, the natural... Uh, the hijacking of the natural world through the internet of everything and the smart cities, and then we will have gotten through the metaverse. And then that way you have a solid understanding of what, you know, the Neuralink brain chip and all the other technologies we talk about, mind twinning and everything else, play into. And that's the world they've developed. And then now I can go back in time to Operation Paperclip, where uh, the United States brought 1,500 Nazi scientists and engineers here after World War II, and we could start to dissect that and look at how it had influence over uh, Silicon Valley 
over Huntsville, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, where we do a lot of technological work uh, over our military, our government, and then we can start to make uh, assumptions and analyze uh, whether or not those had effects over what we're actually seeing today. That's kind of where I'm trying to get with all of this. But I figured... I had to take whatever number of shows it was to actually explain this technology and get more of a solid understanding of it for myself so that we can talk about the parallels between uh, some of the things that were developed during World War II and then bring it all the way to where we are today. So this article right here is on dailymail.co.uk, and this is Disney Bets the Mouse House on Virtual Reality. Beleaguered CEO Bob Shapik reveals plans for a, quote, lifestyle experience and, quote, metaverse that will recreate their theme parks online and hence Hulu will merge with streaming service. And, uh, folks, I don't know um, if it was on Twitter or where it was, but I had talked about at one point that my wife, uh, she's from Poland, she moved here when she was 19 to go to college. Um, she's traveled all over the world when she was younger. She was traveled to, uh, she traveled to 47 countries, including the United States and Poland, but she had never gone to Broadway and she always wanted to go to Broadway. So for her birthday, I, and I hadn't been to Broadway for a number of years. I grew up 90 minutes from New York City. So as a kid, my mom was into the arts and we went to Broadway. Not all the time, probably 10 shows or something. And so my wife's favorite movie, uh, when she started learning English uh, more fluently and came here to the United States, one of her favorite movies was Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams. And so... Um, I was looking at Broadway shows and I said, oh my God, they have a Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. It's probably, they destroyed it. And so I, I took her as a surprise uh, to go see it. And I had said to her um, at the time that uh, if we want to go, we should go now. This is uh, a few months ago. I said, we should go now because Broadway is so woke they totally played into the whole COVID land high school theater production, uh, which what would you expect different from a bunch of theater folks? And so uh, I said, plus, um, you know, I think the younger generation isn't going to appreciate the arts and theater. So we should go now before they shut down all of Broadway, probably using the excuse of wokeness and COVID and people not buying tickets and basically turn Broadway into just a metaverse attraction where you'll watch a play with a VR headset on. And it's not the same. You need to go to Broadway and be crammed into an uncomfortable seat and sit there for three hours and watch a musical, which by the way, uh, other than the wokeness that they injected into the storyline, but unfortunately that's what fits in today's fits into today's culture. It was a great play and the main actor was phenomenal. Uh, played it almost, um, the, the Daniel character was a little different than Robin Williams' take on it, but the Mrs. Doubtfire was dead on. I couldn't believe the makeup they were able to do, and the character was just phenomenal. So, anyway, 
let's get into this. It, it just happened to remind me of me telling my wife we need to go before they destroy it and put it in the metaverse. And now you're going to see what Disney's doing. And I know a lot of you guys out there follow Disney and all the satanic uh, pedophile stuff and everything. And that's fine. But I'm not going to get into that right now because that's not the point of this story. This is to show you that uh, Disney is about to take Disney World into the metaverse. It says, and it's a good introduction to the metaverse because it's giving you a real world uh, experience, a real world understanding of what these, uh, these technocrats are actually doing. It says CEO Bob uh, Chapik said the media giants metaverse would exist on a streaming platform Disney Plus and allow people to experience park rides in virtual reality. With Disney preparing for its 100th anniversary, Chappick characterized the Metaverse plans as the brand's way into the future. Chappick said people would be able to explore the sets of rides and interact with characters. The Metaverse would also work with real-world visits to Disney theme parks, with customers' streaming services being tailored to what they did at the parks. But many called the move out of touch with Disney's fan base and argued that if the park stopped hiking prices, more people would be able to visit. And so the article goes on to say, Disney is plotting a metaverse that would let people experience the most magical place on earth without ever setting foot in the theme park. Now, I remember as a kid, I was in eighth grade. This is before everyone knew that Disney was evil. But uh, my father was a cop and then he had uh, become a private investigator my mom was just getting back into work uh, after raising me and my sister for the first uh, several years of our lives and so they were typical middle class uh, not wealthy people not upper middle class and my dad worked his ass off to save up the money to take my sister and I and my mom on a trip to Disney World. And in eighth grade, it was almost border, bordering the age in which maybe it's a little too old for you. But I tell you, I still remember it to this day. It was a magical place. And it was incredible being there with uh, my parents and my sister. And then I went back a few years later with a friend of mine. Um, his family took me on a trip down there. And then uh, three other families from high school were all there at the same time. So we all met up. And at that point, we were in high school. So we were causing havoc and running around Disney World like maniacs. Completely different experience than going there with my parents as a child. But again, these are the kind of experiences, um, you know, they sort of destroyed the brand with wokeness and uh, all the unveiling of, you know, the secrets behind them. And so a place that was uh, seen as magical was destroyed. Now, you're going to see a little bit <laughs> when we do Operation Paperclip, Walt Disney's tie-ins to Werner von Braun, who was the head of NASA, who was actually one of the Operation Paperclip Nazis we brought over here. But uh, as far as the perception back then, it was a magical place. And now, again, with the metaverse, they want to take the magic of the real-life experience away from our children and grandchildren. Not that I would bring my child to Disney World, but places like this, like Broadway, will be disappearing over the next few years. 
So it says here, CEO Bob Chevick said the media giant's metaverse would exist on a streaming platform, Disney Plus, and allow the 90% of people that will never, ever be able to get to Disney Park to experience in virtual reality. Quote, we call it next-gen storytelling. End quote. Chapik said in an interview with Deadline, noting that he didn't like to use the phrase metaverse, quote, because it has a lot of hair on it, end quote. But regardless of whatever Chapik prefers to call the planned platform, many have responded by calling the move out of touch with Disney's fan base and argued that if the park stopped hiking prices, more people would be able to visit. The move comes as Chapik, who took the helm in Disney in 2020, struggles to make a name for himself in the shadow of his innovative predecessor, Bob Iger, and keep afloat amid controversies ranging from the park's rising prices to Disney's stance on Florida's don't say gay bill. Just last week, Chappick broke a months-long silence on an apology he issued in an attempt to quell Disney staff who were outraged by his failure to speak out against the controversial bill last spring, saying he chose to remain mum on the matter because he didn't want to get Disney caught in a political subterfuge. And so, uh, and, and so this article goes on to talk a little bit about, um, about this metaverse concept, but he didn't go into depth on it yet. But you get the idea, folks. What they're going to do now is they're going to create 3D digitized video game Second Life versions of the metaverse which you'll be able to access on their streaming platform with your vr headset and let me just explain how this works in the future the idea behind the metaverse is that everything is going to be connected so whether that be meta which is facebook's metaverse uh, that you access through oculus or whether it be some of the other ones that we'll go over in future episodes eventually it's going to be a world that you step into where you have a digital house and you have a digital car and you have a digital family and you have digital food and you have a digital job and you have a digital building you go to work in and then you will be able to just like in real life buy a a concert ticket which they're already doing this today you can buy digital concert tickets in the metaverse to see like britney spears perform live in the metaverse and so Broadway will be in there. There's comedy clubs already in there. I actually looked into that because I used to be in comedy production. There's comedy clubs in there. And then now Disney will be in there. So eventually the entire Disney theme park will be reconstructed inside of the digital world. And you'll go inside and pay through your uh, government-issued crypto tokens that you'll get through some kind of a system from... Uh, like Bill Gates is developing, where you do a dance like a little monkey with your symbols, and they throw tokens at you, and then you can use the tokens to go inside of the metaverse. And essentially, what I believe through the research I've done is that as you're doing all these activities inside of the metaverse, and your brain is working, your brain is then generating power that then they are going to suck out of you and use to power their new climate-friendly world, the world we just looked at the smart city internet of everything world and all the data used to process it is going to be stored on those dna hard drives that i talked to you about on a future episode so folks tomorrow we're going to delve deep into the metaverse through this panel discussion 
that I dug up from the World Economic Forum. And as far as I know, I haven't seen anyone else cover this in depth yet. So we're going to go through it all and analyze it. But folks, I hope I did a decent job of explaining all of this to you. I think you walk away with a solid understanding of the technologies and the basis for what will become the metaverse as we go into that tomorrow. But in the meantime, folks, once again, I think today we walk away with the message, just say no. Whenever you have an opportunity to just say no, whenever you're about to get sucked in with their real world or their digital clickbait, just say no. Whenever your kid is about to pick up that iPad or that iPhone or video game or put on the VR or AR headset or slap on the iWatch or put on the Fitbit, have the guts to just say no. I know it's difficult to take something away from a child when they've already been indoctrinated into it. They're already addicted to it. You have to look at it as an addiction. But you need to start weaning your children and grandchildren off of this technology. And you can only do that by starting to explain to them the dangers that are out there. And I know some people want to um, shield their children from this. They want to protect them. But the reality is, folks, you're either going to let them step into this world and they're eventually going to be hooked into the metaverse or you're going to have to figure out in your own way it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of courage, but you're eventually going to have to teach them to just say no. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. Come and join us, folks. Come and join us at pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you all. Have a great night. Have a great day whenever it is you're listening. See you later, folks. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.